take this opportunity to welcome each of you here tonight. Especially if you're visiting with us, we want you to know that you are truly our honored guest. And we're thankful that God has brought you our way. We know that's not just by happenstance. You may be visiting with us because a friend invited you. And if so, we're thankful that you responded positively to that and are here with us. You may be here just because you're from the community and looking for a church home. And if that's the case, we welcome you. And if we can be of any service to you, we would love to help you in any way we can. It may be that you're just passing through our community and decided to stop and worship God with us. And if that's the case, we bid you well on your travels this evening, and, and we're so thankful that you've taken the time to worship with us. Whatever the case, if you're visiting, we're thankful you're here, and we hope that you'll stick around a little bit and give us an opportunity to get to know you. Many of you have probably went out and purchased something that looks like this within the last few weeks. With our kids going back to school, depending on what grade they're going into, one of the school supplies that's needed is a simple ruler. What's interesting about a simple ruler, though, is it doesn't matter where you buy it, it doesn't matter what color it is, it doesn't matter what material it's made out of, they all do the same thing with a tremendous degree of accuracy. They're all marked off in, in inches and sometimes millimeters, and they all do the same thing with a great deal of accuracy. And you think, well, how can that be? All the manufacturers that are making these, all the different styles there are, how can that be? And it's because they're all manufactured to a set standard. Many of you will probably have something that resembles this at home in the cupboard. A measuring cup, simple measuring cup. It's got increments on it for volume of, of ounces and cups and even a pint. Um, those of you that bake and cook, I hear this is a tremendous tool in doing that, although I've never had much use for it in my kitchen, but, uh, but a simple measuring cup. And we look at that and we say, well, those come in all different sizes and shapes with the increments on them. How is it that they're all different and yet they all do the same thing with a great deal of accuracy? It's because they're manufactured to a set standard. How important is it to have standards? Ladies, how difficult would it be for you to bake something that's calling for a cup and a half of milk and you have no idea what a cup and a half is or how to even get a cup and a half in, into the recipe? How difficult would it be for you to sit down with your, with your child doing a, a science project and things have to be measured out in, in precise increments and yet, you have nothing to measure it with. Do this for me. Everybody hold up your right hand. Put your fingers out and show me where three and three-quarter inches is. Finger to finger, mark out three and three-quarter inches. Okay, now hold that and turn to the person either on your left or on your right and compare your measurement with their measurement. Probably what you're going to find is the person on your right or your left doesn't know what three and three-quarter inches is. They're wrong. Truth be known, you may be wrong as well. You see, without a standard to measure it by, we're just guessing. So anything we do in life without a set standard, the outcomes would be innumerable because there'd be no predictability, there'd be no way of knowing what was going to turn out. 
without a set standard to go by. Societies have always known that having a standard is one of the most important things in society. The history of our country is no different. All the way back to the beginning of our nation, the Articles of Confederation ratified by the colonies in 1781 contained this clause. The United States shall also have the sole and exclusive right and power of regulating the alloy and value of coin struck by their own authority or by that of the various states, fixing the standards of weights and measures throughout the United States. A few years later, as the Constitution was written, this was transferred into the Constitution. So in our United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 8 says, The Congress shall have power to coin money, regulate the value thereof of foreign coin, and fix the standard of weights and measures. In January 1790, President Washington, in his first annual address to Congress, said this, Uniformity in the currency, weights, and measures of the United States is an object of great importance and will, I am persuaded, be duly attended to. Twice more, President Washington appealed to Congress to enact standards for weights and measures. But to his dismay, like our Congress today, they drug their feet on it and didn't do it and didn't do it. So what happened was all the states started setting their own standard for weights and measures. The problem with that was they varied from state to state. For instance, in Connecticut, a bushel was 28 pounds, while in New Jersey, a bushel was 32 pounds. And so you can see the confusion that there would be in, in uh, commerce and going across uh, even, even state lines. So it wasn't until 1830 that Congress founded the Office of Weights and Measures under the Treasury Department. And a standard was set in 1838 for the weights and measures that we use today. Today that uh, department is known as the National Bureau of Standards and Technology. I relate all this to you to show you the importance of having standards, of having uh, set reliable standards to use. Uh, in our economy, in our work, and even in our everyday lives. A reliable standard gives us confidence in what we're doing, knowing that it's accurate, that it's right. But it also gives us peace, knowing that we're not being cheated and we're treating others fairly as well. Tonight I'd like for you to think with me for a few minutes as we think about standards. What is our standard when it comes to our religious and doctrinal beliefs. Standards are so important, but what is our standard when it comes to religious and doctrinal beliefs? What do we measure our life by? What do we hold up before us as the standard that we measure our life by? There are many different standards that the world uses today. And what I'd like to do is look at a few that are prevalent in our society and compare them with God's standard and what God says about these various standards. Because it's my prayer that each of us will be honest with ourselves and that we'll look at ourselves, examine ourselves, and say, is this a standard that I'm using in my life? And hopefully we can all leave here tonight convicted, saying I'm going to use the standard that God has given and no other standard in my life. 
Why is this important? Why is it so important that we have a standard? Friends, Scripture teaches us that one day we'll be judged. Hebrews 9, verse 27 says, And as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Romans 14, 11, and 12 says, For as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess God. So then every one of us shall give an account to himself to God. You see, this is why having a standard is important. Because Scripture teaches after this life, there is a judgment. And there is a standard that we're going to be judged by. So we say, well, what is that standard? What is that mark? What is that, that judgment that we'll be judged by? Look over at John 12, verse 48. John 12, verse 48, Jesus says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Jesus' word is the standard that is going to judge us in the last day. We say, well, how does that help us? How do we know what Jesus' word is? Jesus' word is the same word that he said, just go a few chapters over to John 14. In John 14, he's there with the disciples and he's uh, observed the Last Supper and he knows he's about to die. He's about to leave. And he's telling them this, that he's about to leave, but they are going to have a, a commission. They're going to have a job. They're going to need to take the things that he's taught them and pass it on and, and keep that teaching going. Now just think how daunting that would be. You've spent, put yourself in the shoes of these disciples. You spent three years with Jesus. And he says, okay, I'm about to leave, but I want you to continue teaching what I've taught you the last three years. That's why he says in John 14, verse 25 and 26, These things I have spoken to you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. You see what Jesus is telling them there? He said, I'm going to leave, but the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance all the things that I've taught you. Not only is he going to bring to remembrance all that I've taught you, but he's going to lead you into all truth. The truth of the church, the truth of, of the gospel, the truth of the plan of salvation. He's going to lead you into all this truth. So Jesus passes the truth on to the apostles. So we say, well, that's great. How does that help us today? Look over to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul here says in verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me to you, word, how that by revelation he made it known unto me the mystery. By revelation, Paul was given, by revelation of God through the Holy Spirit, he was given the knowledge of this mystery. As I wrote... A four in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You see, that's how it hits us today. Jesus passed this, these truths, this standard, on to the apostles. The apostles, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these truths down, this standard down, 
And that's what we have today as God's Word. Peter taught the same thing. Look over at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter is at the end of his life. He knows his life is about to end. And so he's writing to the Christians and saying, I want you to know that what we have taught you is truth, that it's from God. Look what he says, first, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, beginning. It says, Knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in your remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Drop down to verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as into a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first, look what he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You see, the very thing that Jesus said would happen, happened. He was leaving. The Father was going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was going to guide them into all truth. Through the Holy Spirit, they penned the writing of the Scriptures that we have today. When Jesus said, my word is what will judge us in the last day, every one of us sit here without excuse because we have that word in front of us, even tonight. God's standard is set before us. That's the standard God wants us to use, and that's the standard that, that we have to look at. But as we look at the standards that people use for their religious and doctrinal beliefs, we think of some of the, the, the things that they look to, that they set as their measuring stick for their beliefs. And probably one of the most common ones is the, the standard of what I've been taught in the past. And this is probably one of the most difficult ones for people to give up. Because it's good people in their life, good people that they know and they love and they trust that have taught them what they consider doctrinal truths. And these people wouldn't purposely harm them, wouldn't purposely lead them astray. But friends, we have to be honest and we have to ask ourselves, is this the standard that we need to use for our religious and doctrinal beliefs? Jesus encountered this very problem. Look over at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9, Jesus encountered this. And as we think of this standard, the problem with this standard is very simple. Because regardless of how good a person is, regardless of how genuine a person is, if they're not using the standard that God's put before us, then any advice or any teachings we glean from them will not be according to God's standard. But look what Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9, as he quoted Isaiah. He said, This people draws nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. See what Jesus said here? There were people who in their mind were worshiping God. 
And yet Jesus makes it very plain that their worship was vain. It was empty. It was worthless. Why was it worthless? Because what they were being taught and what they were understanding was not the doctrine of God. Do you see what he said there? Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. It wasn't the doctrine of God. It was the commandments of men. And so Jesus said it was worthless. Friends, just because something is taught to us under the guise of religion doesn't mean it conforms to God's will and it doesn't mean it, it meets up to God's standard. It's so important that we as Christians study the Scriptures and know the Scriptures and study what's being taught so we can prove uh, what, what we believe. If you look over at Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, there's a church in Berea, the Bereans, and they were praised because of their study of the Scriptures and, and seeing that the things taught were true. Look at Acts 17, verse 10 and 11. It says, And the brethren immediately sent, Paul, sent away Paul and Silas by night to Berea, who coming thither went to the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Friends, the teaching and, and te uh, preaching of God's word is so important. I'm not minimizing that. Having a ready mind and a ready heart to receive it is so important. I'm not minimizing that. But searching the scriptures to make sure what we're being taught and what we're being fed is scriptural is just as important. So we know that we're holding up the standard that God has for us. No, just relying on teaching of the past is not a standard to use for religion. Another standard people try to use is a standard that says, I'm going to do what I feel is right or what I determine is good for me. It's the idea that I know God's Word says this, but I think, and you fill in the blank. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We cannot rely on our own uh, reasoning. We cannot rely on our own intellect to direct our paths. God says, My standard is there to direct your paths. He says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. Oftentimes we try and reason things out and try and justify things and say, well, I know God's Word says this, but my situation is this. And God is there as a loving Father trying to draw us back. Because just as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.25, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We can't outsmart God. We have to accept that God's standard, God's law, is right. Whether we understand it, whether we agree with it, it's right. I can hold up this ruler and try all day long to make that three inches right there, but it's still going to be six inches. I can call it three inches, I can try and convince you it's three inches, it's still six inches. God's word's the same way. Regardless of what I feel about it or I think about it, God's Word is always right.
Another standard that people use in trying to, to set their lives and their beliefs is on what science tells them to be truth. Now let me say, I'm not anti-science. I believe God has instilled in us a curiosity that reaches out and tries to understand more deeply the world about us and even our own being. And I think it's wonderful that, uh, that we have the, the scientific advancements that we do have. But is that a standard that I should use for my life? And if science contradicts what God's Word says, which should I choose? You know, even in science, there is a standard for making a discovery or, or making a, 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 new, a new find. It's called the scientific method. And it involves five things. First, you identify a problem or a situation. Next, you gather information on it as much as you can. Third, you form a hypothesis with regards to the problem or situation. Fourth, you test the hypothesis. And then fifth, you draw a conclusion. The problem comes when science tries to not follow through and they go straight from having a hypothesis without testing it into trying to make it a point of fact. Just think if you use science as your standard for knowledge and your standard for living. 2,500 years ago, you would have believed with everybody else that the world was flat. It wasn't until 400 BC that Plato theorized that the world was round and it was later proven that that was the case. 500 years ago, you would have believed that the earth was the center of the universe and that all the planets revolved around it. Um, it wasn't until the 1500s that the th theory of uh, helocentrism came about in which the, the sun is the center and the planets revolve around the sun, which later was proved and we, we understand today. If you have science as your standard today, as your only standard, you'll believe that you're here because of some mishap in nature called evolution rather than because a creator created you because he loves you. You see, science doesn't always get it right. And so for us to hold science as our standard is very dangerous. Um, science is a wonderful thing, and yet we need to, to prove uh, everything by God's word. Another standard people use is societal values. These are individuals who look about and see their neighbors, see their co-workers, see those around about them, and they see how they're living. And the idea is, as long as I don't offend anybody, and as long as I live a little bit better life than those around me, well, then I'm doing good. I'm, I'm following the standard. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul deals with this very thing and David Shannon had a tremendous sermon on it uh, two weeks ago. In Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2, Paul says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 
You see, in the first two verses, Paul lays out what the standard is. Walk as followers of God. Walk as Christ. The next three verses, 3, 4, and 5, he talks about various sins that were prevalent in their day and prevalent in our day. And he says those that commit these things have no part in the kingdom of heaven. But then look at verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You see what Paul's saying? Don't be tricked. Don't be deceived into using this as your standard. This is what's going on in the world around you, but don't be deceived. Don't use this as your standard because it only leads to destruction. If we just think about this logically, this standard, as long as I'm a little bit better than society and as long as I don't offend anybody, I'll be all right. Look at a life in, here in 2013 that's living by that standard. Now just think how different a life lived back in the 1950s would be living that same standard. Just a little bit better than society, not offending anybody. There's a world of difference just in that 60 years. And friends, the standard that God lays out for us in 2013 is the same standard that he laid out for those that lived in 1950. It's the same standard for those that lived in the first century that Paul was writing to. It's the standard of Christ. The standard doesn't change. And when we base our standard on what society is doing, we're going down a slippery slope because it's an ever-changing standard for our life. Finally, I'd like to look at one more. Another standard that individuals use to base their life on. And it's the standard that says, my standard is based on personal experience. You may know these individuals. They won't take a stand on anything being right or wrong because you have to experience it for yourself. Young people, you may know who I'm talking about here. These are the ones at school that tempt you to do something that you know is wrong. And you say, oh no, that's wrong. And they say, well, how do you know it's wrong if you've never tried it? How do you know it's bad if you've never experienced it? How do you know it's not good for you? They base their standard on personal experience. That's a dangerous standard to have. In fact, it's a standard that we're warned about. Look over at Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, Paul is writing the final words to the, to the church at Rome. And look what he says in verse 17 through 19. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Look at verse 19. For your obedience is come abroad to all men, and I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yea, I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. See what he says there? I would have you be wise with regards to that which is good and simple or innocent or naive concerning that which is evil. You see, we don't have to experience sin to know sin is wrong. We don't have to experience wrong 
to know it's sin. He's saying, I want you to be wise in that which is good. Young people, know God's Word. Study God's Word. Know the standard that He has for us. And then when we see sin, we can recognize it as sin. We don't have to experience it to know it's wrong. Parents, know God's Word. Understand God's Word. So we can recognize sin when it's before us. Don't get into that mindset that, well, I have to experience it to know it's wrong. I would that you be wise in that which is good and simple in those things that are evil. We've looked at standards that people use in their life. And now the question is, what standard do you use? What standard do we use each day when we're interacting with family, when we're interacting with co-workers, when we're at school? What standard do we use? God wants us to use His standard. God has given us a standard to use because He loves us. And He wants what's best for us, not only in this life, but in the life to come. There may be someone here who's not a child of God, who has never taken the steps to become a child of God. Why not do that tonight? Why not come believing that Jesus is the Son of God, being willing to repent of your sins, saying, Lord, it's no longer my standard that I'm following. It's no longer the world's standard that I'm following. I'm following your standard. I'm going to conform my life to your standard. That's what repentance is. Confess Jesus as the Son of God before men and then be buried with Him in baptism where your sins are washed away and you rise a new creature, a child of God. You may be here and, and a child of God and realize that you've not been following the standard that God wants you to follow. Brother and sister, if you have sin in your life that you need us to pray with you for, we'd be glad to pray with you and pray for you. If you have prayers that, uh, uh, that you need from the church, we'd be glad to do that as well. Whatever your need may be, 